Carnivorous couch, it happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch with Brady and Rob. Hello and welcome to the baseball carnivorous diaspora couch. Carnivorous baseball diaspora couch. If you're confused, so are we. We've wandered into an intersection of two independent podcasts. One that's focused on baseball, the other one that's focused on film. And there's a good reason that we came together today because we're talking about a baseball movie. And my name is Brock Toller. Those of you familiar with the baseball diaspora may know me and my colleague Ben Stein. Hello. We're here with our friends from the Carnivorous Couch podcast, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Hey, uh, Rob. Hey, everybody, everybody, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the spoiler full podcast where we do a film a week from two film geeks. I'm here with Brady. Brady Larson, politely introducing himself last. And <laughs> myself, Rob, and of course, Ben and Brock, who you just heard prior to. Oh, yes, I, I am Ben Stein. I actually will say my name. and I Say my name? Say my name. I talk about baseball and also films. Apparently, say his name. Win his money. You know, something no, like only, that. Only, only at poker. Please, please play <laughs> me at poker, and I will take your money because you will not win my money. That is absolutely the best way. Un- unless to you're introduce. good at, unless you're good at poker. You know, you never know. Then, then things might happen that Ben doesn't like. Oh, and on to baseball and movies. Woo! Yeah, what movie do we do this week? We did uh, Bull Durham, the nineteen eighty nine. 88. 88. 1988 classic starring uh, Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, and Tim Robbins. It's uh, a wonderful film uh, set in, uh, I guess, uh, the South in the uh, the Durham Bulls minor league franchise in, Northern, in North Carolina. And we find ourselves in this lovely situation where uh, Kevin Costner is a minor league veteran. He's played 12 seasons. He is on the verge of becoming the all-time minor league home run king, which is a dubious honor to say the least. And on this team that he was just traded to, he is there to shepherd and teach and enrich uh, a, a young pitcher played by Tim Robbins named, what was it, Elvin Calvin, Ed, Eddie Calvin, Calvin Lelouch, Lelouch uh, who gets the nickname of Nuke Lelouch because he's a bit of a hothead. And uh, he's a, a hot young pitcher with a million-dollar arm and a five-cent brain. And here comes Kevin Costner, the veteran, to teach him the, the ways of baseball and how to become a good player and make it to the major leagues, which coincidentally is the same role that uh, Susan Sarandon's character plays, although a bit more of uh, the vixen who you know, beds one minor league player every year for the Durham Bulls, and that player has the best year of their career. So anyways, the movie is basically, you know, follows these three characters through the season with their their ups and downs. Uh, You know, they have a bit of a losing streak at the beginning of the season, and then they go through a nice big winning streak as the various bits of baseball wisdom come in and, and, you know, feed these guys and, you know, make them good players. And I got a little bit of a love triangle, not really so much of a love triangle, but definitely a love story mixed in with with Kevin Costner, Sarandon, and, and Mr. Tim Robbins. Um, anyways, since this is spoiler full, we eventually get to a point where, uh, Nuke Lelouch gets promoted to the big leagues and, you know, leaves behind Miss Sarandon. I forget, what's her character's name again? Her, ca- her character's name is Annie Savoy. 
And he said, what? Yeah, so she... So I'm glad leaves. she has a fully actualized uh, <laughs> real name because otherwise, you know, you've kind of got this woman whose job it is to sexualize and <laughs> create the best player of the year. Anyway, go on to the plot synopsis. Anyways, I, I, I like yet. your character. Anyway, so eventually, uh, Nukalush gets uh, promoted to the big leagues and because he's no longer a Durham Bull, uh, Miss Annie has to... Uh, has to break up with her, but the entire time she's been developing a romance with Kevin Costner's character named Crash Davis, and Crash eventually gets released and plays for another team after Tim Robbins gets pro- or Lush gets promoted. Um, but he eventually, you know, after setting the home run record for a minor leaguer, he he quits and comes back, and the he and Miss Annie live happily ever after in a budding romance where he will potentially become you know a minor league manager and continue with their baseball career and uh i mean from a plot point i mean that's really about it they have some ups and downs and they play some baseball and uh, i'm sure we'll get into some and they learn a little bit about life oh yes a little bit about life because baseball is life let's let's face it baseball is life there are many many lessons we can learn from baseball and many of those lessons are taught in this film wait a minute stop 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 are you trying to use sports as a metaphor (laughs) for human existence this is unheard of What's wrong with you? Uh, I don't know. It's it's called baseball. It's 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 perfect. It's better than religion, actually. Actually, one of the themes of the movie is that uh, Miss Annie, Susan Sarandon's character, she opens the film with like a monologue about how she doesn't really like any of the major religions, just too much guilt and other crap going on. But but baseball, the religion of baseball, she worships baseball, and uh, uh, <laughs> I find no problem with that at all. Yeah, I definitely do like the idea of uh, baseball as a religion and then so forth and so on, that life is a game and baseball is a game and that they are both kind of of the same cloth. And, I mean, I think that this kind of baseball as a metaphor for life works really well for, I think, better than other sports because baseball is um, a game of failure in that you consistently fail time and time again. Um, I mean, baseball has... 162 games in its in its season. They play pretty much every day. It's a grind. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And the best hitters in the league, you know, your MVP batter who's like the best guy, his batting average is nominally, I mean, let's say 300, which stands for you get three hits out of every 10 at bats, which means 70% of the time you're failing. <laughs> So and what that really is is point three zero zero zero, right? Wait, 0. would be three. Yeah, well, I mean, so they they take your percentage of hits per at bats, and just do it to the three digits, so it looks right. like three hundred when it's really thirty percent. Right. Exactly. But anyways, so because baseball is a game of failure, a lot of the psychology of the game is built around the fact that the game will humble you, the game will make you fail, and you have to deal with adversity, and you have to deal with failure and um i know uh, brock and i can talk about this when we talk about uh how real baseball minor league systems work and how real minor league teams work for developing players um but you got to go through a period where you're the arrogant jockish guy that that nuke lelouch is and he has to be humbled by failure in order to learn and improve as a baseball player yeah i mean and that's great and we can get more into that when we go do our uh what's it all about segment but uh i guess since we finished the uh, the plot synopsis, we should follow our normal carnivorous couch formula and go on to. Uh, hey, hey, hey! How do we like it? I liked it. 
You did. I did. Uh, why did you like it, Ben? Because it was about baseball. Is that the only reason, or was it actually good? As no, well? I, I, I have more reasons, but I feel like someone else should talk first. Okay, let's I've start with Brady, and, and we'll circle it around, and blah, 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 blah. Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, oh, wait, I just have to interrupt Brady <laughs> and say, I've been saying and blah, 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 blah a lot lately. I think it's because I got a new job, and I keep explaining how uh, my job works, and then I say and blah, 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 blah. So uh, when you hear me do that periodically on this thing, don't hold it against me. It'll pass as I become more comfortable. It's like and all the technical bullshit that we don't want to deal with go on forth. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, I'm recording this. I'm mixing it. I'm do- and blah, 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 blah. And then uh, Brady's just going to talk and you guys are going to hear it. Yeah. Asking someone not to hold something against you is the best way to have them hold that against you, though. Well, I mean, if it's a warm, beautiful body. <laughs> Brady, you, you've got a warm, beautiful body, but don't hold that against me. No, Brady, don't don't hold does, me against I you. I just don't want Brady right to hold me against him. <laughs> All right, Brady, Brady you're gonna we're talk gonna about talk <laughs> very Let's face talk to face when we get home, Ben. Uh, how did I like it? I I liked it a lot, actually. Um, I I'm quite fond of this movie, and I want to see it again. Uh, it's different because I. I have a couple of movies I can name off the bat about baseball that are like really high on my list, particularly Field of Dreams, as Rob well knows. Uh, also, the more recent Moneyball. Saccharin Poppycock. Oh, no, the former, not the latter. Uh, this this movie's different to me, though, because those movies, I feel like the baseball is very present, but it's also very metaphorical. You know, Field of Dreams uses it as a metaphor for America's mainstream versus its counterculture, that kind of thing. Bull Durham is a, an excellent baseball movie that is just about baseball, I think. It's about baseball, and it's about charming, funny characters, and a script that, uh, yeah, is, is wall-to-wall jokes and is really funny. Uh, and that's part of the reason I'm eager to revisit it, is it's just consistently funny and, and interesting and dialogue-driven, which I think is rare for a sports movie. Uh, so, you know, I have to ease into these things patiently. I'm going to give it my... <laughs> trademark B plus A minus, uh, but suffice to say, I like Bull Durham a heck of a lot. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Brock, what did you think? I I would concur that I, I definitely like the movie this along with Brady and Ben. And uh, you know, I've I thought about this film before we watched it because I've seen it several times in the past, and I thought about it in the context of your of your ranking system. And I've listened to some of your past podcasts. Where you, uh, you debate, oh, you have, thank you, absolutely. Where you debate, you know, what makes a masterpiece and 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 how to really people of, just sit and say masterpiece. Well, fair enough, but how Brady, to, was this a masterpiece? <laughs> no, it's just, it's just an awesome movie. Uh, how to well how, how to bring together Rob and Brady's two uh, disparate ways of looking at ranking movies, <laughs> and and so you know, I actually have two disparate ways of ranking this particular movie because I think if you look at it as a film. I would go with Brady in a, in that kind of B plus, maybe B, B, B plus as a, as a film, you know, among the whole universe of films. But if you look at it as a sports movie, which is a, a particularly stricken cast of, of poor orphans, uh, among which very few make it, you know, to the, the level of being really universally beloved and, and acclaimed. And, and I, and so I think as a sports movie, I would give this thing a, a plus because I think it's one of the best sports movies that's ever been made. You know, it, it has the humor, it has, you know, the subtext and it has really great baseball scenes as well. And, and, and it works as a baseball movie. It works as a, as a greater movie. And 
so I think that's where I would come out. But but as a as a whole movie, probably in that BB plus range. But if we're just sticking it in the world of sports, man, it's it's at the top. Excellent, yeah. excellent. I mean, even for me, it, it's close to an A minus. The, the script is just is funny and sharp and human, and and dialogue driven. Like I, I really like it. Well, my goal is to talk you into an A minus by the end of this cast. Sure, we can talk that. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, and by the way, Brock. Uh, so I'm listening to this and monitoring this as I as I produce it. Um, you have a really great radio voice. Thank you. It's perfect. Yeah, he carries the <laughs> cast for us. It's yeah. All good. I mean, I also just. I mean, I'm just dead. I pumped weight the up whole your bass a little bit, and now it's just like really sounding fat. So, Rob, what what did you think of the movie? Uh, it's a B for me. Yeah. Yeah, I actually um, I cannot give a true and hard and fast grade on this movie because I was absent for uh, various swatches of it, and there's a very good reason for that, and it's no disrespect to you fellows. I did love watching this movie, and I love doing this podcast with you, and I wish I would have been able to dedicate more time to it, but. I will tell you later, but there was a very good reason. So, well, I liked it. I, I'm going to give it an A minus because I think, like Brady said, the the movieish portions of it, where you have characters that are well defined, or that at least aren't cookie cookie cutter, just bland characters. Like they have personality, they have flair, um, they're fun to watch. There's a lot of humor in the movie. Um, and the characters grow throughout the movie. You know, you see Nucleus go from this arrogant, cocksure, I know everything kind of attitude to a much more I mean, you wouldn't call him smart, but he's more seasoned and a little bit more enlightened about how one goes about playing the game of baseball. And you also have, you know, Crash Davis, you know, coming to the end of his career and realizing that he's never really gonna make the show, he's not gonna make it to the major leagues anymore and finding out what it means to settle the same with with annie the susan sarandon character where you know every season she picks a new guy to you know hook up with and give him the best season and by the end of the season she's ready to stop doing all that and just shack up with crash davis and you know live a you know have a real relationship in a real life or at least a more long-term one than 142 games which is the length of the minor league season um but so on top of all those good movie elements, you know, good plot progression, good comedy, all that stuff, um, the actual little inside baseball moments are really a lot of fun. Um, you know, there's an although uh, their swings are horrible. Uh, actually, Crash <laughs> Davis's swing was not too bad. Right, but he wasn't even stepping. Uh, well, I mean, okay, so the 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 swings that he has during like the in-game footage yeah, yeah, are yeah, yeah. pretty good. The swings that he had at like the batting practice scenes really horrible They're really army like i need to do dialogue while i'm doing this <laughs> and susan sarandon's Whoa. swing is just like terrible yeah but we it's couldn't say really so when good. we were watching it because tess would be like you're calling a woman's funny swing a fucking awful swing it's it's she's not that an, bad you wouldn't call it that bad if it was a man who was <laughs> she's an actress she's not a professional athlete i think it's okay to say her swing is well neither bad. is costner but uh my mom did throw him out of a shower so uh Something in common with professional Ben, athletes? you were saying Costner hit a couple home runs in the course yeah, of this. Yeah, so I, some of the, the show notes is that they picked um, uh, they picked Costner for the role partially because he was a, a reasonably athletic guy for an actor. And during the filming of the movie, they actually caught him hitting two real home runs. Like, you know, they threw him a pitch and he hit a home run, which is, which is hard to do. I mean, you hit a round ball with a round bat and make it go in a p- specific way. Good angle. It's it's difficult. Well, not if you got that Santa Teria 
kind of stuff going. Oh, yes. <laughs> Superstition is another big theme in this movie, which I love. Uh, but, yeah, like the inside baseball moments are just great. There was an early scene where um, Costner steps up to the plate, and uh, he's sort of thinking through what pitch is going to come next and what he's going to do with it. And as a big baseball fan – that is a huge part of the game of baseball. And it was fun listening to him to talk about, like, throw me that weak-ass shit. Come on, throw me that heater. I'm going to smack it. You know, like that kind of stuff. And, I don't know, it was fun. I liked it. All right, guys. Why don't we get on to what this is all about? Because, God, we need to just dissect this to within an inch of its life. <laughs> yes, and Ben? Yes? I still need to make a little uh, a segment for this. But I, I, oh, I, yes. I hope you will join me with going, what's it all about? What's it all about? What is it all about? What is this about, guys? Like, uh, who wants to go first? Ben should start. Ben invented what's this all about in our Before Sunrise podcast. Th that's absolutely correct. I did uh, invent this For segment. those of you who are longtime listeners, uh, those uh, negative I mean, uh, positive. There were no other listeners. I am the audience. That's We've correct. gone over this before. So the fact that you're producing content for yourself is kind of meta. Uh, I just love myself so much. That's yeah, it's why. like you're a god. You got to treat yourself. But you're right. also really lonely. <laughs> Anyways, I'm actually I don't have a, a particular theory about what the movie is about, but I do feel like what baseball about is about a lot of the time is this sort of um, enlightenment kind of thing where you are relaxed and not thinking about anything while at the same time being very focused and precise in what you do. And you have to accept the failures but expect the successes. And when you get the success, it's great. I mean, there, there's there's points in this movie where, um, you know, uh, Nuke Lelouch the way he figures out how to succeed at being a pitcher is to just stop thinking about pitching. He's up on the mound and he's trying to overthink himself. Do I throw the fastball? Do I throw the curveball? You know, he's he's a bit wild with his pitches. You know, he throws them like into the mascot and into the stands and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the secret is to just stop thinking about it, to just let it flow, um, to accept the failures with the successes. There's another scene where Crash Davis... You know, as he's going up to the plate, he says, if this guy throws me a curveball, I'm going to take him deep and hit a home run. And the guy throws him a curveball, and he takes him deep and hits a home run. And you know, he didn't know that was going to happen, but it happened to. So I feel like there's a certain humility and respect for the game in knowing uh, that the, the game is greater than you are, that... Um, I don't, I'm kind of rambling here. Someone, someone help me out a bit. But like, there, there's some point of like this, this, this serenity in terms of knowing what you can do without trying to do more than you can do, but then succeeding more than you thought you could have. And so I feel like there's a lot of this serenity and like understanding one's place in life. It fits in with uh, what Crash Davis and Annie come to at the end, and sort of moving past baseball to just this sort of serenity of their lives yeah i think i i would agree with you on on that kind of the life meaning of the film uh i think obviously there's there's a a heavy dose of of religious symbolism and and superstition and all that which you you referenced before ben i think on a baseball from a baseball perspective it is really about that classic story of the nexus between promise and failure right mm -hmm. i mean we 
we think about baseball, I think most of us think about, even big baseball fans, we think about baseball at its highest level, Major League Baseball, and the players who make it to that level and who perform at that level and who build careers and legacies at that level. But the vast majority of players, even at the professional level, never make it to the major leagues. You look at the percentages of guys who get drafted or signed out of you know Latin America or other international markets, the majority of them never make it to even throw a pitch or swing a bat in, in the major leagues. And I think what we see in this film is Crash Davis, a guy who has sort of tried for an extended period of time to make it to that major league level. He's, he's obviously had a cup of coffee up there, but he has never been able to really forge a career for himself. So he's kind of, and he's reaching the end of his viability as a player. And then on the other hand, you've got Nuke Lelouch, who is a young hotshot with almost a, a clear path to the major leagues is, you know, once crash gets him sorted out. So I think you see that from the baseball standpoint, but then, like you said, with the, with the life message, I think it's, you know, life goes on, you know, even, even when we fail like crash Davis, there's the possibility that he can go and use his talent that he's demonstrated teaching and, and, and shepherding nuke Lelouch with, you know, any countless other young baseball players and Annie, can move on from, you know, being the, you know, flavor of the season for some of these young minor leaguers, helping shape their lives to, you know, maybe doing something more. So, yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with that. The idea that, um, I, oh, by the way, I can look at you guys while I'm talking to you because I've made an adjustment. I did all sorts of crazy shit. It didn't work out. And it turned out just picking the damn thing up and looking at you while I was talking was the solution. So, yay. Win yeah, for me. I saw you like fiddling with the mic. It was like giving me brain problems while I was trying to talk. I'm like, see, you fiddling yeah, with you're the like, mic. Somebody help me out here. Somebody help me out I'm here. I'm so <laughs> confused. I'm just transfixed by Rob meddling with his mic. Nah, I don't. Rob I don't is here to out. confuse. <laughs> exactly. This is my, uh, this is my, my, my lot in life is to confuse and fix things for people. Um, can't fix everything for myself though, but I can just pick the damn thing up and look at you guys while I'm talking. Um, so anyway, I have a uh, lots of friends. I, I think at least three friends who have gone into major league ball like farms and like I see this all the time just like they're so obviously if I know three of them there are lots of them because I'm one person and I'm not I'm not really like are you saying you know people who are actual minor league players or at least tried to be right, minor league exactly. players right exactly no oh, wow. no minor awesome. league and in the farm and then tried out in major league blah 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 you know like uh what one of my neighbors too wild on on the pitching like really great arm much like our our, uh, our protagonist in the uh, opening scene. But, you know, too wild of an arm. Uh, his younger brother kind of learned from his shit and is, like, not as fast but is on it. Mm. And he's on he's on the fast track to, to get something done. Oh, nice. Um, the, the first guy, eh, it's kind of not going to work, but, you know, he got a full ride. So here's uh. the thing that this doesn't talk about. You know, you get a full ride scholarship to go play for a school when you're grooming yourself and this and that, and then maybe you get picked out of school – uh, and you don't finish school because you go on to do baseball instead. Yeah, if you go to college, you're eligible for the draft after three seasons. Right. Uh, which is one season shy of graduating from college for the most part. Yeah, so anyway, uh, I've seen that go. I've seen another guy go, and he's just kind of middle of the road, and everybody's like, yeah, you're a good player. Uh, we'll see if somebody picks you up. So, yeah. Uh, those eggs come in all different color Easter baskets, or those Easter baskets have all different color eggs. Whichever metaphor you want to use, 
Eggs uh, in every color. Eggs in every color. <laughs> Look at this shit. Baskets in every color. Eggs in every color. In the baskets in every color. Look at this shit. Look at my shit. I uh, guarantee you we'll get rained out tomorrow. Exactly. But anyway, um, so, yes, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, I don't really know how to tie that into the, any of the points that I want to talk about, so I'm just going to kick it over to Brady. Okay. Uh, wh- what's it all about? I hey, mean- wait, hold on. All right. I, I feel satisfied now. Damn I'm, I'm like a dog. I, he's taught me pretty much to play red light, green light with his neuroses red light. in this cast. Anyway, okay, I've already said, I think, what it's mainly about in summing up my grade for the film, and I think this is a good thing. It's about baseball, first and foremost. A- and it joins a great many very, very great movies that their biggest strength is that they commit wholly to being about their tiny universes to exploring what it is. You know, I, I, here's a really random one that you wouldn't think to mention in the same breath, but Master and Commander. The same way Master and Commander is focused on what it's like to be on a warship, Bull Durham focuses Durham, Durham focuses on what baseball is. But uh, if I want to pick my favorite thing that it's about, other than just its universe, I really like how it's about superstition. I like how it's kind of this human take on, on customs, on the tiny, uh, interesting little customs that make up a universe. And, and here's the other thing. I think it's really great that it's about minor league and not major league baseball. That we're kind of in this tiny little inlet that's off of the baseball most of us will ever see. I mean, Ben and Brock are pretty big fans of the sport. I'm a big fan myself, but I don't watch any minor league baseball. And it's kind of cool to be brought into that smaller, more insular universe. And yeah, no, I, I think, you know, it's good that it's mostly about the sport, but I think it has nice things to say about its characters are very sweet about a custom like that scene where the one guy kind of believes in Santeria. So he rubs his bat with a turkey claw, I think something like chicken that. Chicken bone cross. Turkey yeah. bone cross. No, chicken, chicken bone cross. Bone. Yeah. yeah, chicken bone cross. And pretty soon you have all the other players, one of them who we find out the first thing is heavily Christian asking if they couldn't get maybe a little touch of that thing. Because it's about kind of the weird little customs. The wait, wait, is that customs. the same guy? I don't think that's the same guy. No, no, it was a different guy. Oh, is that a different guy? No, there was a different oh. guy who got um he got released because he was hitting too bad. But oh, he had too okay. much slump in his bat, so he needed a little, like, Santeria voodoo hex on it to, right. like, yeah. make him hit well but again. But, I mean, okay, it was interesting, uh, like, on that note, though, because they were talking, and in that conversation they said, hey, um, can I get a little of that? And he goes, like, why would you want a little – do you, do you – do you like voodoo? Like, is this your practice? Do you is believe this in the voodoo? Thing? Is this a thing you believe in? And he goes like, no, no, I just need what you got because, and he's like, well, that's just desperation. Mm-hmm. Right? Which mm-hmm. is totally tying in with, with what our characters are going through. It's like, um, are you, like, it's um, it's the character of, fuck, Nuke? Yeah. Yeah. It's the character of Nuke when he's early on. What he's dealing with is desperation. Like, he doesn't have shit. He doesn't have anything together. He's just desperate for the kind of the next level, but he's unwilling to to do what it takes. Like he's unwilling to commit to voodoo, right? Where this guy uh, says the same thing. I mean, I wouldn't go that far with it. I I think it's just very. I thought sweet it was an interesting shadow. I know I'm I know I'm stretching the metaphor here. Well, but no, I mean, I think like if you're going to talk about Nuclelouch and his uh, superstitions, he wears ladies' underwear. To throw At a, a certain good point, pitch. he wears ladies' underwear, underwear, no, no, that, no, no, the well, garter belt that that uh, Annie gives him, okay, so that I, he can think through. But then on the streak part, on the superstition part, um, like she's been sleeping with him for a while, and it's it's enjoyable, but it's not really 
translating into on-field performance. And then one day she's like, gets them all worked up and like gives him, you know, gives him some tips on how he should like breathe through his eyeballs on the, on the, on the mound. And he starts going on a winning streak and he starts winning game after game after game. And he starts thinking, well, she told me to take all of my pent up sexual energy and put it on the mound. So now I can't have sex until I lose. So he goes for this long period where they're just not having sex because it would mess with his winning streak. And she's getting all going batty like, I made a good ball player, but now I can't get laid. George, I need sex. That's a Seinfeld thing. Uh, but anyway, that's that definitely ties into what I was talking about. But I think that my metaphor is sound here where the guy wants voodoo, right? He wants the quick fix, just tap on the thing. So he does want the tip from Costner. Nuke wants the tip from Costner. Costner's saying, no, you got to believe it. you got to commit to me. you got to fully understand what I'm telling to you and give in to the ideology that I'm giving you as to how to make it to the next level. Well, I think part of that works into you got to believe in the religion of baseball well, in order to yeah, benefit from it. You can't just tap the stick. Because the religion of baseball is very fickle. I mean, what, what I'm trying to say here is that there's a fickleness to baseball that requires a certain luck. There's uh, there's a certain mystery where why do some guys get more hits than others? Uh, you know, when you hit a Tell home it, run, man. everyone looks like Babe Ruth. When everyone strikes out, you look like the worst player in baseball. And uh, Crash Davis actually goes on a rant later in the movie about how you know just one more grounder that finds a hole that goes for a hit. Just one more one dying more quail. One more dying quail, one more seeing eye grounder, one more little flare that, that drops in and you get a hit and suddenly you're in the big show making a million dollars instead of stuck in the minor leagues making like 50000 a year. Wait, when you say dying quail, what do you mean? It's a, it's a, a, a hit that actually goes over the infielders, but it, it's not hit with great velocity. It's sort of like a, a very It's like over the hit, infielders and lands and right in the pocket. In. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah okay. the quail is flying, but it's dying and it right. just kind of like... Think of the hunting concept of a duck hunt, you know? Yeah. And then the fucking dog laughs at you. Exactly. Yes. exactly. Can I shoot the dog? Well, you can shoot him, but it won't actually do anything. It'll but in this case, you bullets. actually hit the duck, and he goes down. Well, even but he's think, a hit. If I can get in, even think about one of the movie's most famous monologues, which is when Sarandon has explained how she operates season to season to Lelouch and to Crash Davis. And Crash Davis says, well, I don't want to be part of this kind of selection process. And she says, well, okay, you don't believe in this metaphysical theory I have for love. What do you believe in? And he goes on this, this very famous monologue saying what he does and does not believe in. And I, I think the movie's about... I believe in long kisses that last for yeah. three days. What the <laughs> fuck does that even mean? No, it's, it, a, it's a, a long, wet kiss. Long, wet kiss. Long, wet kisses. Last for three let's, days. Be, let's be clear about this. And, and I so, have to eat and sleep, sorry, hold in my on. three days. Hey, Hold on. Sorry, sorry. Okay, but like kind of capitalizing on what Ben says, I, the reason I love baseball as a game is sometimes success and failure are inscrutable. So I think in a way, and, and also tying to what Brock says, how this does become a movie about life, is it's about myth and superstition and religion and theory, and it's about all these silly and sometimes dumb and sometimes really smart ways of, of trying to make sense of things of the kind of weird theories we attach to even something as small as just a game of baseball. But I think it, it can be read that you can, you know, extrapolate that to life itself. Anyway, that's all. 
Uh, Brock, you got anything to add about what this might possibly be all about? I I think I've said my piece. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's been about thirty minutes, so maybe we should give our listeners a little break. Uh, let's do a little game. Do we want to do a Metacritical or IMDb game, or we got uh, lots of people? Whichever one you want. We can do IMDb game. It's been a while. IMDb game. All right. Well, we'll we'll take a little break and go ahead and do that. Hi everybody. It Hi does. everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Plotlines. We're playing with Brandy and Tessa and Maddie and Ross and Darby. Nice. Darby, stop making anagrams of your name and passing them off as your actual name, Brady. Brady. His name's Darby Kit and Caboodles. Everybody knows that. My PE teacher in first you think you're grade, avoid? Tillotson, you thought think I was Darby. So you're allowed to tell ridiculous stories and he's not Darby. That's okay. exactly who Darby is. That's it. Stop the using double standards. Double standards. As they're held for ransom, a husband and wife's predicament grows more dire, and the discovery of betrayal <laughs> and deception. Interesting. That that word I read as and was amid. Huh. Amid the discovery of betrayal and deception. Brady, the ref. Whoa. Brady, no. Read it one more time. Please. As they're held for ransom, a husband and wife's predicament gives more, grows more dire amid the discovery of betrayal and deception. Tess, um, live stream color. <laughs> it is not upstream color. Upstream color. Mm. Anybody else? Grandy? Upstream color? <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. I remember the time you did that upstream color joke. It was quite good. <laughs> so is that a watch? Nobody's got any idea. Um, Bring me a baby. I'm gonna say uh, <laughs> the life and times of Michael Jackson. No, the, the correct answer was trespass. Damn. With Never. Nicolas Cage from 2009. Nicolas Cage. Rob's strategy for stumping me is to pick movies that don't exist. No, he's picking movies that are so bad. Okay, okay, one something else. A vengeful father. Brady. Taken. Escapes from hell and chases after the man who killed his daughter and kidnapped his granddaughter. Tessa, lovely bones. No, but it's about that bad. Uh, <laughs> Ro Ross. Uh, Ross. Hideaway. That's a no. That's a Jeff Goldblum. You have to give us no's and yeses, Rob. You can't just sip beer to communicate. <laughs> I will say the year if you get it right. Rob was you sipping beer. You sip beer to communicate. You cannot. The answer <laughs> is blowing in the wind. <laughs> Anybody else have one? <laughs> the answer is blowing yeah, in the wind. No. The answer was Drive Angry from what? 2011. Are you He's only doing Nicolas Cage. Okay. Oh, dear God. Let's pick Nicolas Don't Cage Don't Drive Angry. Movies. Don't Drive Angry. He's doing really good on okay. movies for anyone. Bra no. Brady, no, funny. Rob. <laughs> that was a good choice, something. man. That was a good one. That was really good, Rob. Nobody got it. It was good. Because we hadn't... An played. angel. Under Brady, the City of Angels. <laughs> Under the thumb of a ruthless gangster 
is saved from a trap. Tessa, there, Michael. <laughs> down on his luck. Say again, please. Say again. An angel, under the thumb of a ruthless gangster, is saved by a trumpet player. Down on his luck. <gasps> Ross. What is that movie Ross. called? James and the Giant Peach. No! Oh, it yeah. has a name! I know, James and the Giant Peach is What the name. fuck is this movie called? I know exactly what you're talking about, and I can't oh, think of the you, name. Did you plan this move three moves in advance? You this know, also, two cage movies? This Ross. also contains Ross. Nicolas Cage. Ross. I'm sure of it. I did not say that it all has Nicolas Cage. Ross. This <laughs> one does. Uh, Ross, end of... Dog problem. Ross, end of days. Arnold Schwarzenegger. What's going on? No. Is everybody oh, giving up? I don't know what this is called, but yeah. I, f I don't. Fuck don't you. <laughs> the correct answer is Passion Play from 2010, oh, starring shit. Mickey Rourke and, and Megan Fox. Megan Fox. It's supposed to be one of the yeah. worst yeah. movies yeah. of recent times. Well, because of Megan Fox and the script, apparently. Pick something that but will Megan Fox is less shitty than she used to be. I'm good. sorry. Don't pick something. Yeah. Pick something that so is it's gonna be safe, somebody that <laughs> at least pick something we've seen. All right. So what's the score? There's no score. Zero. Ben's gone. There's Ben's no score. Gone. Zero. Zero. All right. We're, We're going to three. Over. Here we go. Okay. An estranged family of former child prodigies. Brady. The Royal Tenenbaums. <gasps> Brady. Yes. Nice, wow, that was nicely really done. 2001. That's a great movie. Got another one. <laughs> With a dead body lying between them, <laughs> two men wake up in the secure lair of a serial killer. Tessa, saw. <laughs> Correct, from 2004. That's, that, that's what I was thinking. Nice, Tessa. Lair, it's lair. Lair. Lair? L-A-I-R instead of L-A-Y-E-R. I won you that won. point. Yeah. I got a point. You certainly did. Thank God. So the point is now test, test one, Brady one. Uh-oh. I'm not going to win, but still. You might. If you say you will, you might. I'm the only one in this room that has probably ever seen Saw. I've seen, seen pieces Saw, of it. Seen Saw, Seesaw. I dated a man who's seen all five of them. It sounds like yeah. a... <laughs> yeah. Like Gross, K. right? Oh. That's the only reason I saw the first Dr. one. Dr. Frankenstein's grandson. Madeline, young Frankenstein. From 1974. Thanks, babe. <laughs> 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 this is a new part of the show, giving the year. Rob. No, I love Rob's that movie. That was a good one. Don't give your girlfriend points. <laughs> Yeah. She she got it in like half the summary. I, yeah, if if I got if I'd heard more of it, I could have got it. But no, no, that's okay. Fair. I got another one. I got another one. I will give a hint. I will give a hint to everyone all around. It is from the same year as the previous one. Okay, okay. A paranoid, secretive, surveillance expert has a crazy. The conversation. Correct. From 1974. <gasps> you fucker! I was gonna say that. I was just yeah, waiting for more. 74. I know it's a good show. Brady, have you seen the conversation? Brady has nope. two. You fucker! Tess has one. <laughs> Daddy has one. I hate you. 
I love you. I just know wrote facts, and I don't even care about movies. I just want to eat up their facts. He just, he just eats the facts. I be cannot believe that you got that when I've seen the conversation and you haven't. You are so Well, it's funny is those, those guys they did. Well, I'm definitely right never thought I would ever be upset. Still immortal. All right, I got a good one. Acting All right. Two, two, well. two best acting Oscars win. An undercover state cop has infiltrated an Irish gang. Brady, The Departed, mm-hmm. from 2006. Oh, come on. So Rob goes to default and winds up doing movies that... Yeah, that one oh, it would be 2006. Yeah. Yeah, I was, so Brady has I was two points. Point break. Three He's points. done. It's over. Uh, that's it. So you fucker. Wait, are we still playing to three now that we have much fewer people? Well, let's just keep going. I, I, one, more, one more, one more. One, one more, one more. Brady's going to win anyway. One more. Brady's going to win anyway. Yeah. It's fun. That's we'll play to four. We'll play to four. This one's a really good one. It'll it'll get a lot of people, like, possibly a chance that won't give Brady a chance. <laughs> I want to be so the judge sometime I because I will pick the best movie. That everyone else loves and or is, heard of. isn't at the top of your psyche. Yeah. You would have won. An update you hadn't been there. of the 1977 comedy. Brady, The Nutty Professor. Two people <laughs> are living the good life. That is until one loses his job. Ross, The Odd Couple. Shortly after. Ross, uh, this is no, a good movie. Oh my god. Okay. Wait, Shortly wait. after getting a promotion, no. the convicted his wife. Oh, convinced, sorry, not convicted. <laughs> convinced his wife to quit her Take job. Deal. The money is gone, and the house ends up in foreclosure. The man oh. decides to turn this hilarious life. Crime. Sorry, I, I had to like open the full synopsis. <laughs> so now I've lost my spot. Oh, wait, Tessa, no. the money pit. No, but the, I was wait, the actual synopsis is different than the, the abstract. So it's hey, this has Jim Carrey in it. Life of crime to pay the bills with his lovely yeah, wife Jim Carrey movie. by his side. I want to say it's Jim Carrey. It's really hard to read that. One more time. That's a ridiculously because none poorly of us understand synopsis. what you're saying. Okay, let's do it again. Poorly written movie. An update it's only of the 1977 comedy. Two people are living the good life. That is until one loses his job shortly after getting a promotion to convince his Tessa, wife. Tessa, fun with Dick and Jane. From yeah. 2005. Good job. Nice. Three, two, I actually two, supremely one. enjoyed that movie. That does have Jim Carrey in it, right? It does. You just have a huge yeah, man boner. I knew a man boner, not a lady boner, for Jim Carrey. Well, I just don't usually have boners. Stay, stay, stay. So. Stay. And, but let me say, if I do not I have could. any kind of boner for Taylor. All right, I got another good one, terrible. but this one might skew towards Brady above everybody else. Why do you else. love I've her? Seen it, so. It's fair. I know. I just hate Jurassic Park 3 is mainly what it is. Paul, Paul, Paul. In an old school Las Vegas casino, its top gambling jinx, Brady, the cooler, from 2003. I think Brady killed it with four. Damn it. Hey, everybody. We're back. That was a pretty cool game of the IMDb game right there. Uh, 
A fucker who won. Well, he's just a fucker, isn't he? It, it was, um... No, I mean, it could have been... I don't want to spoil it for It was anything. someone yeah. whose name started with either a B or an R. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> My money's on the Bs. Yeah. Exactly. The, the probability would be in your favor. You, I, you I would bet a, on the Bs. You bet on a B name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, since we since we got a couple of baseball aficionados with us on this particular podcast, I'm going to let them take the lead and maybe uh, maybe talk about the way this actually relates to the real world and just, you know, kick it... Uh, Kick it baseball, man. Yeah, you know, I mean, this movie is a movie about minor league baseball. And, and Brady referenced the the fact that he loved that this was a, a movie about minor league baseball as opposed to major league baseball. And I, I share that sentiment because I actually do attend a fair number of minor league games or have over the course of my lifetime. And uh, there's something different about the minor league game than about the, the major league game. You're, you're closer to the action. You know, even if you're paying for a cheap seat, uh, the the caliber of play isn't quite as refined as at the major league level. So there's always the chance that something crazy will happen. And then there's, you know, something that we see in the movie, just wacky promotions and all kinds of other crazy ways to keep the fan bases interested in the game that we see take place at on the minor league level that you don't see at the major league level. And one of the things Ben and I wanted to talk about was the fact that there's this struggle at the minor league level, particularly now, but you know, probably even back in the time that this movie was made with the, the 1980s Durham Bulls as opposed to the 2014 Durham Bulls, uh, the kind of struggle between, at the major league level, every team is trying to win every game because that's the most important thing. You're trying to win the most games so you can go to the playoffs, go to the World Series, and hopefully win that sixth or seventh game and take home the championship. And there's a little bit of that at the minor league level too, but there's also this competing interest, which is that a team at the minor league level like the Durham Bulls is a farm club for a major league team, and they have a responsibility to develop players for the major league level. And so it's not always just about getting the best player for that moment in time. Sometimes it's about putting a more inexperienced player like Nuke Lelouch into a position where he can learn and develop and succeed. And even if he gets lit up in an outing, that may be important for his development, even though it's not good for the Durham Bulls in terms of that season. So look ben, at look at Brock putting all this real shit in here, like giving our <laughs> giving our podcast some class. Wow, man. Go for it. What's but, class, by the way? You know, class, like classy. She's a classy uh, bride. Like, uh, it's a classy podcast, man, where we talk about martinis and shit. What, like Millie? <laughs> I'm going to be... Like I'm gonna be mostly quiet Millie on slam? this because I, I want to learn. Oh, I love Millie. I, I want to learn at the feet of our two guest masters here. But just chiming in with what you said, Brock. Like I really like that scene where Costner uh, essentially tells the batter what pitch Lelouch is gonna throw, even though they're going to lose the option of a no hitter on that. It's more important that uh, he gets that learning experience. I really liked how honest that scene was. Yeah, and, and sometimes that's the key. Sometimes a guy is going into a game. And he's working on a pitch, for example, you know, a, a prospect like Nuke Lelouch, you know, there's there's tons of guys like Nuke out there who come up with incredible heat. They, they can throw an excellent fastball, but they, they need work on their secondary, you know, breaking balls or change ups. That'd be like my uh, my mate, my uh, my neighbor, uh, Jeff Lyman, who had that problem with the Braves. Exactly. And so, you know, and so sometimes there will be an emphasis where a guy 
it, it won't be about results in that particular game because they're just trying to get him reps and you know repetitions just trying to get an opportunity to try and and go out there and and do something even if it doesn't work right away by going out and doing it regularly at the minor league level you have the option to to fail at that level but it might build up and and, and allow you to develop into something you know more that that then will succeed at the major league level ben what did you think about kind of that push and pull between the the major the, the, the major league club's interest and the minor league club's interest? Because obviously it's tricky. I mean, I thought it was it was actually a lot of fun because, well, on the one hand, they did have a few scenes that focused on winning at the minor league level. There was a scene where the the manager barges into the to the shower room after a long losing streak, or they've been losing it. They're like eight and sixteen or something at that point in the season, and he basically gives them a pep top, a pep talk about a like pep talk. Yes, that one about how like you know stop lollygagging. You got to go out there and play. Like winning builds confidence, and so teaching these guys how to be winners and winning games like is helpful for their development. But at the same time, there is more than one scene, as as Brady said, where the lesson to be learned was that major league hitters can hit your fastball if they know it's coming. So don't rely on your fastball. You have to develop a secondary pitch. And then there's another scene later on where he, he uh, Lelouch really wants to throw the curveball and keeps shaking off Crash Davis. <laughs> and he's like, well, he's you want to know hitter. He's, he's, he's got, yeah, uh, he's got to learn the lesson that. And when he makes the show, when he makes the major leagues, these guys will punish him for every mistake. So he has to stay a step ahead and he has to stay you know, focused on all that well, kind of stuff. Well, so I thought I it. thought it was really doing a really good job in terms of like the entire reason why Crash Davis was brought to this team. He was the player to be named later in a trade, like not even good enough to be worthy of like a mention in the newspaper. You know, he's just the guy to be named later. And he's brought in only so that he can be a mentor to Lelouch. And as soon as Lelouch gets promoted, he gets cut from the team and has a, you know, the sad baseball scene where the manager has to give the guy the hard news that he's he's gonna leave, or that they're gonna get they're gonna cut him. You see that, Brady? Um, you see that? I tried to cut in on Ben, and th- there's me right there, and then there's Ben, where his thing goes up like this. Because I had talk, something very passionate to talk about. Are you yeah, saying I should shout at you more because no. I've been telling you this. <laughs> he talked over me and knocked me down, Brady. Like that's what you gotta learn to do if you really want me to stop. Rob, so uh, yell at you more. Some Got real it. world info. About the Durham Bulls, because the Durham Bulls are a real franchise that exists in the world. They were you did it again. They were founded in 1902. Yeah, I did it. Um, they were founded in 1902. They play in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, they are currently at the AAA level, which means one step below the majors, and they're affiliated with the Tampa Bay Rays. It's like the Oregon Athletics being affiliated with. Some team. Yes, well, I mean, the a- actually, in terms of athletics, the Oakland Athletics, their AAA team is the... Sacramento uh, River Cats. Sacramento River Cats. Thank you there very you much. Go. And the San Francisco Giants AAA team is the... Fresno Grizzlies. There you go. So, in 1988... And the Yankees uh, farm team is... We don't uh, give a shit about Oakland them. A's Who cares about Everyone else the in the fucking league. No, the, the Yankees farm team is the Kansas City Royals. Oh, I thought it was just everybody else in the league. And for the true baseball nerds, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Um, <laughs> but in, in 88, when this film was made, uh, the Durham Bulls were a single-A team that were affiliated with the Atlanta Braves. So if Lelouch was a real player, he would have been playing for the Braves and possibly you know, been on the same team as Greg Maddox and uh, Tom Glavin and a bunch of Hall of Famers that just got elected this year. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, I wanted to go back to one thing that you were saying uh, about pinpointing a specific scene, that being the, the locker room tirade of the manager. You know, he gets irate. He charges into the showers, demands that everybody get in the showers, even guys in their clothes, throws a bunch of bats in there and starts yelling. And, you know, we look at that and as – why did he throw the bats fans. in? I was kind of confused by that. I thought it was going to be symbolic or something. It's getting their just attention. Like, no, yeah. I'm just going to make a lot of noise. I think it was just to make, yeah, just to make a point. But you know, he he does that, and and we look at that, and we we look at that in the context of what Ben and I are talking about with the idea that you know minor league teams are sort of at the service of the major league teams in terms of developing players. But then it's a little more complex than that because there's a heterogeneity of minor league players because not everyone is going to make it to the top as we have referenced before. In fact, many of them are not. And that doesn't necessarily, it's not, it's not a binary relationship where you're either a success or a failure. There's a lot of a spectrum in between where you can be a valuable piece of an organization, what they call an org player, somebody who you know, may not really be an everyday major league player, but somebody who is good for depth. So if you have your play, you know, your, your, one of your pitchers at the major league level gets hurt for a short term period and you need to fill in the innings that that pitcher would be providing. Sometimes you are looking for a guy who isn't necessarily going to be able to come up and have a 10 year major league baseball career, but somebody that can come up and give you some quality innings. And, and so that manager, I think, in some ways is trying to motivate not just the Nuke Lelouches of the world who are definitely going to make it, but some of these other guys who never are because for them, the present is important and, and kind of figuring out their role and how to keep motivated is important for the team and not just the Durham Bulls, but their, their parent club as well. Um, there's also lots of Crash Davis archetype guys that exist in the minor leagues and the majors. Like, if you ever wondered why the 42-year-old fat guy who's only hitting like 200 with three home runs on the air is still on the team, it's because he's such a good clubhouse guy that not only do like people like having him around, the other players like having him around, but he's teaching all the young guys how to prepare for a game. He's been around the block more than once, and he said, this is when you show up to the game. You get there four hours early, and this is how you prepare, and this is how you go over your notes, and this is how you do your practice swings. And Crash Davis is kind of like that guy, but just in the minor leagues because he's there teaching uh, Lelouch the ropes. And I think this podcast would not be complete if we didn't talk about the baseball cliches that Davis tries to teach Lelouch about, you know, just the mentality you have to have when you're getting interviewed of, you know, I'm just going to go out there one game at a time and do my best for the team. I'm here for the team and, you know... You know, win or lose, it's all about giving your best effort every day. And God willing, I'll, I'll do well, and we'll have fun. And yeah, I think sports exactly. fans and sport and non-sports fans alike have seen, you know, what happens when you don't adhere to that. And and I don't know if it's necessarily for the for the best that sports cliches have become as entrenched as they have. But you know, everyone, almost everyone, whether they saw that game or not, saw Richard Sherman, 
know, <laughs> speaking his mind. Uh, and super, uh, uh, after the NFC Championship right, game a couple and, weeks and, ago, yeah. You know, however you feel about it, that is certainly the polar opposite of Nuke Lelouch, you know, spouting his. Uh, his very safe cliches. <laughs> well, I mean, the cliches are the reason why 95% of player interviews are completely worthless. Exactly. Because you ask the, the, the pitcher, like, how he did when he, you know, pitched seven innings, gave up, like, four or five runs, and they lost the game five to four. And they're like, well, how'd you do in that game? And he's like, well, I tried, but I lost. And just spouts out, like, five cliches in a row. And there's nothing really to report. And, you know, every now and then you get a guy who actually will give you some insight of like, oh, I had, you know, jock itch that day and it was distracting me. <laughs> we, and that's why I couldn't find the strike zone. I love the sports game. cliches. I thought that was one of my favorite jokes in the movie. No, I, I love a good sports cliche interview. Like, oh, man, you know, we, we knew coming into this we were either going to do it or not do it. We did it. And uh, that's just what we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. I, I think that's an excellent, uh, uh, nice little guest segment here. I think we should uh, peace out for a second and do our understudy, and then we'll come back, and now we'll have some uh, some film geekitude, because I got some feminist theory shit to talk about, and I don't know. Who better to talk about feminist theory than four white dudes? Well, you, you pitch that feminist theory, and I'll hit it right out of the park. <laughs> uh, is, is that like you being pro-feminist theory, or are you beating feminist theory? I'm just going to take fact? it one pitch at a time and do my best. <laughs> All right, then. Well, that sounds like the way to go. Be right back. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. We're back on this crossover episode of Baseball Diaspora slash Carnivorous Couch. And uh, we got Ben who wants to talk a little bit more about what those baseball geeks were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I forgot to mention a little bit of minor minor facts. Minor facts (laughs) about, uh, about the Durham Bulls. This is actually pretty cool. Um, so they are part of the International League, which in the South Division, which you know is in the sort of southeast area there. Wait, so it's a real team? Yes, that's what I said earlier. Yeah, I know, but I wasn't listening. Oh well, that now you are, <laughs> and now you know, and knowing is half the battle. <laughs> uh, but the thing that I haven't told you, which you will now know, is that the Durham Bulls are the reigning league champion of the International League. They won the the whole thing for the minor league league that they're in so good good for them so that manager's bat throwing incident had real lasting effects 30 25 years later and not only did <laughs> they win the 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 league title in 2013 but they also won in 2009 2003 and 2002 there you go so good for them and they won some d- more divisional titles in there too also in 2007 2008 <laughs> 9 10, 11, and 13. And but not I, 12. Otherwise, it would have been a streak. I should say I tried to motivate my girlfriend by throwing a bunch of dead winged rodents into the shower, and it did not work. It did not. <laughs> dead winged Why rodents. Why not? Yikes. That would motivate me to get out of the shower. Well, I feel like we've been kind of baseballing up this podcast a lot, and I know you guys have discussed being interested in kind of turning the discussion a little bit oh, towards yeah. one of the kind of unspoken huge parts of this film which is the wonderful female character of susan sarandon brady tell us about that one yeah i, I oh brady okay fine. well okay well, I, well, we I know so you got much something testosterone to say too, Rob, with the sports we but brady wanted to talk about the, the character specifically movie, before you, know? you yeah, 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 bring yeah, yeah, some yeah, yeah. uh some some feminism to it <laughs> yeah I, yeah, yeah I, nobody I, to bring feminism to anything like a white dude <laughs> no yeah <laughs> i i, I promise know what Perfect. you think ladies i'm promised tess i'd give a shout out that uh 
the Sarandon character in this movie is wonderfully written and probably gets uh, the funniest lines in the movie. I also think she's kind of a cool proxy. You know what she made me think of? Have you guys seen Almost Famous recently? She made me yeah. think of Penny Lane a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like kind of this this guardian. She's not part of the scene, but she's like, in a way, it's kind of a really nice love letter, this character, to fans. Someone who's just knows so much about the subject in question, baseball in this case, that they kind of understand its nuances and its weird little rituals. Is she? And is she's she, kind of the keeper of the keys, uh, and, and I like that. Is she kind of like a magic dream pixie girl, but a cougar? No, no, she, I don't think she's manic pixie dream girl because I think she she's our narrator. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, is, if yeah. anything, she is uh, just you know uh, a proxy for fandom and the importance of Tinker fans slut? and people. I mean, here I'll toss in a theme. You know, I'm all about themes. Another theme that hasn't been mentioned in this is just kind of geekery, which I think ties in with the superstition. Just the love of of loving something so much that you're super into all the little nuances and, oh, God, this guy wore these socks this time. And just uh, I think that's kind of cool. And it gives that to a female character, which I think I don't think the movie's about feminism at all. But I think that's kind of a cool, progressive thing to do. She does have an actual given that feminism is about patriarchy. Then everything is since everything is patriarchy, everything's about feminism, right? No, this is about baseball. Right, but yeah, but women can't play baseball, so therefore it's about feminism. Yeah, right? women can play baseball. Oh, Base- they can. Oh, I forgot. Well, about baseball's that. baseball's me. part of our society, right? Yes. Our society is based on patriarchy. I won't argue that we have a society rife with patriarch- patriarchy. Okay. So feminism's about patriarchy. So therefore, this is about feminism. Sure, the same way many many things are. Exactly, pretty much everything is. Okay. Do you have well, a specific? Feminist t- topic to talk about. Oh no, about. that was it. I was just gonna spout some platitudes and just be like, uh, "See, love me, women. I totally am thinking about oh, the thing." Well, okay. So the the ones maybe feminist. I actually thingy. That, I was being facetious. Oh, you actually have something to talk I about. I do. Go yeah, for yeah. it. Right. Okay, so I'll say my thing later then. Um, I thought it was really interesting to note that this film starts off with. As Ben said in his excellent plot synopsis, which was not as verbose as all of ours and not as in-depth as all of ours, but somehow still better. I could have done it shorter. Yeah, <laughs> you still could have done it shorter. But um, I know I thought it was great. And I played I, baseball. The movie ended. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. I, I wish I could do a, a plot synopsis like that. Um, but I can't. I have to just kind of like write down all the scenes and then read them mm. because um, my brain is. Uh, that's what cobbled together from very many different. Talking about a film to write it all down. <laughs> no, I'm Philip Drake. I don't right. know what that means, but that's okay. However, okay, so it starts with her uh, monologue talking about baseball is her religion, and then we quickly get into she sleeps with one player, and uh, that player has the best season because I chose to sleep with them, or maybe it was she chose to sleep with them because they're having the no, best no, season. No, no, that guy. Has their best season because not only is that guy sleeping with her, but she's also passing on all sorts of great baseball wisdom and putting him oh. in the right frame of mind right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like nurturing his brain to do well at baseball. Yes, I got that right. right? Okay. So we got mm-hmm. this weird dichotomy, which mm-hmm. is like it's partially feminist because um, she's being given the agency and she's the one giving these tips to the male. However, at the same time, uh, it's about the male result in the end. 
So is that really feminist if, like, women can only be behind the scenes and so forth and so on? There aren't any female baseball players, right? Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, there are real physical differences between men and women. And men tend to have more musculature and therefore tend to perform better in athletic events. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And therefore, that's why... Don't get me wrong. Men and women should have equal rights. It's not the same as men and women are the same in all respects. Yes, but baseball mainly is played by men. and be- Because, that's because why big muscles hit, hit ball out of park because testosterone make big muscles and testosterone change brain chemistry make men different than women. Yes, so baseball Understood. players who are very physical and athletic and their lives revolve around being physical and then competing and dominating other people, thus increasing testosterone. Oh my God, they acted like a bunch of testosterone fueled jocks. Yeah, not the same it. as women. Yes. Not the same. Not the same. Because testosterone increase, change thing. Different. Different change. Yes. Precisely. Exactly. Um, I totally agree with that. However, what I was talking about was the agency. So she has agency in that she's shaping this whole thing. But then furthermore, also, we have this um, reiterated kind of in an early scene where they have the bar scene. And I think Brady has issue with my my interpretation of this. But um, both them are fighting over her, who's going to get to go home with them. They go outside, have their male testosterone fest. Uh, Kevin Costner says, hit me in the chest with a baseball. Yeah, really? You going to be? Yeah, you can, you can do it? No, you can't. Because she can't do shit because you can't get out of your tiny, tiny head. Five cent head. Yeah, five cent head. Million dollar arm. Five cent head. But yeah, I mean, like part of that, that teaching is not just fighting about the woman, but also. Now, if the woman was only being like paid five cents to give him head, that would be really anti-feminist. <laughs> well, we haven't even talked about the Millie character, which is like right. Susan Sarandon's, I guess, fr- groupie friend. And like she's been like making the rounds on all the players as well. Oh, I'll let and Ben fact, hit Brady with this. Yeah, I mean, I think like one of the first scenes we meet her is like she's half dressed and like, you know, she's screwing Lelouch in the locker room. Um, and by the end of the film, she's hooked up with like the one Christian guy on the team and they're getting married, which is. It's it's strange. I'll put it that yeah. way. Yeah. What do you think that says about feminism, Brady? Nothing. Absolutely okay. nothing. I think it says a lot because even in the first scene when she's doing that and she's first introduced, she immediately goes to Susan Sarandon. And Susan Sarandon's character, whose name I don't remember because Annie. I'm a product of a patriarchal uh, society. Annie, right? <laughs> Annie, Annie, yeah. Yeah, 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 Annie. I mean, Susan Sarandon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she goes there. She's like, I was lured. I was lured to the locker room. And she's like, you weren't lured. You're responsible for all your own actions. You totally have control of everything you're doing, blah, 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 blah. Which is kind of like, a mm-hmm. r- that's a really tight... Um, fem- feminist motif You're like be in charge of your own shit don't fucking consider yourself controlled yeah. by the patriarchy in general Um, so Millie there but then Millie at the end ends up <laughs> marrying uh, a, a very patriarchal um, man who's obviously okay sorry I, I, I wouldn't I, call him patriarchal I, he's I, just I equate Christian he's with the most straight edge of the, of the characters no no but I mean if it's like yes I want to sleep with you, and therefore I'm going to get married to you and then have dominance over you and be able to sleep with you. But none of that is said at all. No, none of that is communicated that in the film. They no, just no, no. hook up and then Absolutely they get married. Right. The film doesn't talk about that. It, it's, it's an ancillary thing. It's just done as a one-off. But, um, however, okay. still, when I see, like, 
Catholic or Christian or whatever, I immediately think, oh, uh, manifestation of patriarchy very strongly. Well, I mean, if you want to take it in that bent, I mean, you could classify her as the team slut. And all she needed was a good, honest Christian man to set her straight. Or if you were playing Counter-Strike, you'd be in the slut clan. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I just, as an aside, their wedding scene was actually a lot of fun because as they, they like got Brock's married, like facial expressions throughout this entire conversation, <laughs> Brock's just like, no, n- no, uh, uh, no, no, go on, Ben. Well, they get married on the freaking mound and after they give their nuptials and they're like walking back by all the teammates, like she's giving everyone high fives and they're yeah! throwing peanuts on them instead of the, what I, I don't know, it was cool. Um, I know it was all cool. I, I don't think this movie has that much to say about yeah. feminism. It's I but feel they like definitely it's do neutral. have a very strong feminist character who has She's agency. A strong character she has who agency. To be female. Yeah, she has but agency theme, in the plot. Her theme doesn't seem to have anything to do with feminism. She's just a strong female character. Yeah, exactly. Uh, can I jump in here? Because like a movie from the same year that we covered recently on the cast, I think it's enough to say, and I think it's good to say that this, like Die Hard. Features a good, well-written female character who's not pandered to and is portrayed as a human being. This is a much better written female character than the one in Die Hard. She was I nothing. Agree. Whatever. Tomato, tomato. She what I'm saying is... She didn't have much to do in Die Hard. It's, it's, it's tomato enough. onion, dude. Stop. You've had your fucking chance. Just shut the fuck up. Just talk what, over, Just shut man. the fuck up. Just talk over Rob. I can Don't allow him to talk. Just keep talking about him. You're muted. And all that it's, stuff. It's enough to acknowledge in the case I'm of gonna this do movie. It. No, just keep going. He didn't actually mute you. Oh, it's, now he did. It's enough. Oh, he actually did. He did actually mute him. But now, Rob, you can talk. You're being annoying. Okay. It's enough to acknowledge in the context of this movie that we have a well-written female character. I don't think there's a lot of mileage to be Oh, wait. Let me unmute you. Okay. There you go. There's not a lot of mileage to be gained in discussing super feminist ideas within the context of this movie. Like, I, I just don't think what it's about is about a tiny world, and our female character is our Sherpa into that world. Uh, I don't think, like, it's a movie that really uh, illuminates feminism, nor does the subject of feminism illuminate it. Uh, but I think, you know, it is a strong female character who's given the brunt of the funniest lines in the film to say. Uh, so, you know, I think there's only so far you can go with that because coming back to what I say, it's about baseball. Like, it's not even about anything deeper than that. It's can just about superstition in baseball. Brunt means bulk. Okay. I always thought it was like taking the brunt. I didn't know you could give somebody the brunt, and it was a good thing. Well, now you know. Brady just has better mm-hmm. vocabulary than you do, Bra- <laughs> uh, Rob. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to compete with his vocabulary. Uh, I don't even attempt to try, but I, I'm usually better than most people. D- stay on the podcast with him. You'll catch up soon. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, right, because I'm listening. <laughs> well, and talking, conversing. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Indeed. Give and take and all yes, that. He does both. Do you guys have any other, like, equal proportion. filmy things to talk about it? Did you like I, the cinematography? Uh, you know, actually, no. <laughs> I didn't like the. Did you notice any physical? I I, I kind of looked at it and I went, "Oh, this is really one shotty, cool." No, I thought it was directed fine. I mean, it was fine. It it was it was a means to an end to exposit the uh, dialogue and the events, and it was very 
successful in doing that. It wasn't it particularly interesting in any. No, it definitely didn't detract. No, no, it's it, it wasn't particularly. It's yeah. script centric. It it's got a fabulous script, and it it has that do the heavy lifting. Right, and it it wasn't interesting in any particular way, but it didn't distract from it. So therefore, I guess it did its job if it's script centric, as Brady says. So uh, anyway, the the next thing that we do is just decide what we're gonna do next week. Well, I'm probably not gonna be on here, so I think you should watch Citizen Kane. Oh, all right. I'm gonna suggest another Tim Robbins movie. Ooh. Oh. And I I just went like. Uh, Tim Robbins. I like Tim Robbins. He's very good in this. He's very good in many other things. Um, little known movie or little talked about movie, Jacob's Ladder, about a, a Vietnam vet uh, investigating experiments uh, done upon his platoon. Trippy, trippy fucking ass movie. Kind of haunting and it will give you nightmares. So, um, anyway, Brady? Uh, you know what? Uh, to keep it current in terms of news, I'm going to Suggest Capote in honor of Philip Seymour Hoffman. I I don't really have anything to say about this aside from the fact that Tim Robbins was had a somewhat hilarious uh, cameo kind of role in High Fidelity, which I watched recently. He's uh he's like sort of the the other love interest. Who's oh really yeah, hilarious. that's him. Yeah, he's diddling. Yeah, the, and then like he's Cusack the, has he's like the psychiatrist kind of crazy otherworldly doctor sort of guy. Yeah, he's all about his Zen state, and he's weird, and he shows up in the the store one day, and Cusack has these like mental hallucinations <laughs> like, of just like you. progressively like <laughs> telling him off, and then like getting a fight with him, and then and, getting and a it, fight with him where they just beat him bloody. Yeah, it's hilarious. And, and it, like like his store mates could, like, just run out. And like, uh, Who's the bald guy who looks like Moby, but he's in a lot of stuff? Uh, I don't know him, but Jack you know Black who, was in that movie. Yeah, it's Jack Black and the other guy. I think his name is Gunther? No, I can't remember what his name is. I don't is. remember what the But he's in a lot of is. stuff, and he like he's just a guy that you see. Um but yeah, just the idea of him jumping out and jumping into the fight was great. Uh, Maybe to split the difference, you guys should uh, watch The Party's Over, well, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, and Tim Robbins. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, they were in a movie sir. together. I, I actually haven't seen it. I just searched Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tim Robbins to see if they were in anything together. And it, it apparently is a documentary. So I, I've not seen it. Can't attest to whether it's good or not. But. There's a compromise. Well, I think okay. it's an Oscar I'm going to go ahead and suggest High Fidelity just because of that conversation we just had. Sure, that's fine. All right, so what do we got here? We got uh, Ben said. I said a number of different things. I stand <laughs> by none of them. <laughs> uh, but what, what movie did you suggest? Uh, Citizen Kane. I guess I said oh, Citizen Kane. Oh, you said Citizen Kane. Brady said uh, Capote. Uh, Brock said, uh, the party's, the party's over. over. The party's over. And I said, high fidelity. I'm kind of leaning towards, uh, high fidelity. Oh, I also said something else. Oh, I said Jacob's Ladder. You said Jacob's towards, Ladder uh, first. Wait, okay. Uh, shit. I bitch slapped Ben's mic. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, everybody do a thing and do one more because I did too. So, uh, someone go. We're going on the high Brady. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the, the John Cusack motif of high fidelity and say better off dead. I suggested Hoffman's Oscar winner. I will suggest Mystic River, Tim Robbins Oscar winner. Ooh. And I will pick the better Tim Robbins movie, Shawshank Redemption. 
All right, be all right with Shawshank or High Fidelity or uh, Jacob's Ladder. Anybody I'm else not have podcasting a this next one, Sorry. so I don't so care. you're okay with the two you suggested and one that the rest of us suggested. Exactly. Anybody Got else it. have suggestions? No, I'm good, man. Uh, Brady, you want to make an executive decision? Nope. Okay, high fidelity then. Sounds good. <laughs> well, I gave you the option to just pick one of the eight. Sounds good. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's well, perfect. I, gu- I guess that's it. Three, two, one. Theme song. <laughs> Carnivorous couch. It happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. With Brady and Rob. We know what Perfect. you think, ladies.